anybody from any country whatsoever. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. One hour down, one hour to go in the show today. It's been one year to the day that Attorney General Andrew Bailey has been in the position he's been in. Joining us now on the show, the Attorney General of the State of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. Andrew, welcome back. Mr. Speaker, thank you for having me on. Absolutely, sir. Okay, you know the drill. First things first, question of the day. It's a little inge- a little longer one, but here's the question of the day. If you could trade away one U.S. state and then you could take any country in the world and make it the, the, the new 50th state, what state would you trade away and what country would you want? Oh, man, that is a good one. I would definitely trade away California. Uh, and you know, maybe like Switzerland, uh, they have a strong tradition of individual liberty. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if they go South on us, it's small enough that they're not going to have enough votes to dominate the electoral college. I love it. I love it. We were, we were discussing this question off air cause it's going through my ideas. And I'm like, you know, we, we even discussed we're like California, you know, it, do, can we trade away the bottom half? I really like Northern California. It's the Southern sure. half. that's really rough, but Okay, uh, you've been in on the job for one year. Tell us what the last year's been like. Man, it's been a whirlwind. We've been fighting and winning for Missouri. You know, I'd like to point out three of the major accomplishments. Uh, number one, removing the Soros-backed circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis to restore the rule of law and find justice for victims after less than 45 days on, in office. I found the lawsuit to remove her was ultimately successful. And that has huge implications, not only across the the eastern half of our state, but across the entire region. So major win there. Uh, Also, the Missouri v. Biden case. This is the most important First Amendment suit in this nation's history. We took what Schmidt had started, amended the petition to add facts, add allegations, went to court back in May, asked for a preliminary injunction, got it in July, defended it at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals twice, and we're headed to the Supreme Court. And finally... Uh, you know, shutting down the transgender child sterilization industry in the state of Missouri. We tackled that issue back in February of last year, continued to fight on that. Ultimately, uh, we're successful. The General Assembly passed Senate Bill 49, and we defended that right there at the Greene County Courthouse. And we're able to deliver a win. We're the first state in the nation to successfully defend a ban on child sterilization at the trial court level. We did it in Greene County, proud of the work we did there. This huge wins. Uh, and, you know, just after one year in office, we haven't hit our ceiling yet. We're going to keep fighting and winning for Missourians. You know, let's let's dive into this tech lawsuit that's going up to Supreme Court. You've even got, you know, e- Elon Musk has, has mused about it a little bit. That seems to be one that, that has everybody a little paying attention. Walk us through what that actually, what, what's, what's the basis of the lawsuit? Yeah, well, everyone will remember back in 2020 when the censorship algorithms on big tech social media platforms began silencing conservative voices. Well, it turns out that was no accident. It was done at the federal government's demand. The Biden administration has a relationship of coercion and collusion with big tech social media, demanded that certain posts, certain uh, videos be taken down off of big tech. And then, again, asked the, demanded that the corporations change their censorship algorithms to silence conservative voices. That's a violation of our right to free speech. And look, it's not just the people who were speaking that were harmed. It's the listeners. 
everyone who used big tech social media platforms from 2020 forward has been harmed. And the self, self-censorship is still going on. How many people out there are reluctant to talk about COVID or are reluctant to talk about President Trump or election interference for fear of being booted off big tech? So this is a major problem. The harm's ongoing. Uh, less than 1% of cases make it to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, I will have been at the Supreme Court twice in 14 months. And I think that speaks to the importance of the issues we're working on. Uh, when's, when's that case supposed to be heard? Yeah, we anticipate being at the Supreme Court in March. Briefing is due now. And, uh, the, the, you know, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which affirmed the injunction, uh, has stated that this is the most important First Amendment suit in this nation's history. I think that the Supreme Court granting cert uh, underlines that point. Tell us, uh, so you've obviously, you got the big tech case, you've been fighting on the transgender stuff. What's, what's like the next year look like? What are the big legal battles that you think are looming or, or, or starting to get hot? Look, I'm a parent of four small children, and I look at our public education system it, with grave concerns. There are statutes on the books, and speak, Mr. Speaker, you will remember these statutes because you oversaw a lot of them being enacted, and they control how human sexuality is allowed and not allowed to be taught in our schools. And there's a parental opt-in or opt-out procedure. Well, so many of the schools are getting around, either ignoring it blatantly or getting around it by uh, putting smut in schools and saying, well, it's, it's diversity training. It's, it's gender-affirming uh, information. It's not curriculum. Well, that's a lie. You don't get to call the material something else just to get around the statutory prohibitions. And at the end of the day, we're going to fight to protect parents' rights to know what's going on in the schools and to have a say in that process. So I see that being a, an important issue going forward. Uh, you know, crime is rampant throughout the state of Missouri. And it's not just in urban centers. It's in rural Missouri as well. Since I took office, my, we've had a 133% increase in the request for the attorney general's office to come in and prosecute cases at the trial court level. We are effectively deploying resources in the fight against violent crime. And that's going to result in more conviction, more trials, more convictions, more bad guys put away next year. You know, I, I feel like there's this theme that's, you know, we saw it start, especially last year in the conversation about transgender surgeries on underage uh, children, then you loop in what's going on in the schools. I know there's some legislation in the Missouri uh, legislature this year that mirrors what they did in Arkansas and Utah and Virginia that says, hey, we're going to require the um, people that want to access pornography, we're going to require them to prove that they're at least 18. The, the, the goal of protecting children seems to be not just, not just an ongoing, but, but almost a growing trend among the Republican Party, it seems to be that that that, that has become one of the central focuses. Uh, what's what what when did that become such a big thing? Is it during COVID when we realized that you know all the kids came home? We realized how important it was to to provide those protections, or how that become the the new thing that everybody seems to be looking for a way to do that. Well, I think that COVID certainly amplified uh, the 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 visibility on that issue. I think that you know first and foremost. Yeah, conservatives for decades have been busy going to work, raising their family, being good Americans, and have ignored the fact that our public education institutions have been infiltrated with left-wing ideologues. And left-wing ideologues today are, are dangerous people. I mean, these are, these are folks that want to put the health and safety of children uh, second to some kind of ideological bent. And so it's important to step in and protect against that. Again, we don't, we don't celebrate diversity by taking kids to drag shows. That's, that's evil and wrong and it unnecessarily sexualizes young children. And so that, that's up, that's what we're fighting against. And I think uh, 
certainly during COVID, we saw that, uh, you know, public officials were all too willing to mask children when there was no health or, you know, data or science to back that up. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. And, and that's, that's the fight we're in. That's the fight we're, we're, what we're up against. You know, one of the things about uh, um, this this whole transgender fight, obviously the, the, the legislature passed legislation last year, but it has a, a window. It, 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 it only lasts four years. Um, you know, these fights don't seem to be going away. They just seem to be metastasizing. And I, I feel like that's those th- these are fights that we're going to continue to have for the years to come. Yeah, I think that's right. It's important that the legislature address that issue and uh, repeal that sunset provision on Senate Bill 49. Look, if this is dangerous experimentation that sterilizes kids today and is worth banning today, that's not going to change in three years. It's still going to be dangerous experimental uh, you know, sterilization of children three years from now. That's why these European countries walked away from these procedures decades ago. I mean, there are studies out of European countries from you know 2010 and beyond that show how dangerous and irreversible uh, administration of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones or surgeries to remove body parts are for young children. They don't actually cure the mental health disorder that led to the gender dysphoria. So uh, that, that's, that was true in 2010. It's true in 2023. It'll be true in 2027. It's important for the General Assembly to act and, and eliminate that sunset provision. You know, uh, Lord willing, we don't have another four years of Joe Biden, but I think one of the things that we've seen across the country is attorneys general in states across the country their focus has become less and less on their own state and more and more on fighting back against some of this, you know, bureaucratic nonsense that comes down from the Biden administration. Have you seen in just in the last year, have you seen that shift as well? Well, I think here in Missouri, we're doing both. And that's what I'm most proud of. Look, our consumer protection division protects Missouri uh, taxpayers, hardworking Missouri families from business scams. We recovered $32 million in settlements and judgments, put $12 million back into the pockets of working Missouri families last year alone, simultaneously joined with our Republican attorney general colleagues across the nation 159 times in lawsuits and actions to stop federal overreach halt President Biden, prevent him from destroying the United States of America. So I submit to you, we can do both. We can protect Missourians, focus on, uh, you know, making protecting hardworking Missouri families' tax dollars while simultaneously taking on the federal government and protecting our Constitution and our freedoms. Uh, Mr. General, you've been in office now one year. You've decided you want to run for re-election to the position, huh? Yeah, look, I, I, <laughs> it is a humbling experience to get to do this. Yeah, again, I've got four small children and I, you know, every morning I get up, take them to the bus stop. And that's what motivates me to do this job. We have a legacy of freedom, of safety and prosperity. And we're in a war where people want to take that away from us. And we need a warrior to fight to protect that. I want to hand that off to my kids in better condition than I see it today. And I'm, I'm invested. This is home. You know, the Missouri is where I grew up. Uh, this is where I'm raising my family. And we're going to fight to protect our freedom, our safety and our prosperity so we can hand it off to that next generation. Andrew, if people want to know more about the work that you're doing as attorney general or they just want to follow along with the campaign, how do they how do they find out more information about you or follow the work you're doing on social media? Yeah, check us out at ago.mo.gov. That's ago.mo.gov. We're on X. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can follow along the lawsuits we've got pending against the federal government. You can also, if you've got a sunshine uh, complaint violation, uh, feel free to submit that. We have a new website that we try to make more user friendly to receive that information from concerned constituents. If you've got a consumer protection complaint that needs investigating, we've got investigators standing by today to assist with that. So we want to be there for our constituents to help uh, protect Missourians.
Very good. Attorney General Andrew Bailey, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, Happy New Year, Mr. Speaker. Thanks for having me on. That was Andrew Bailey, about one year on the job that uh, he's been doing this. If you recall, dial back 365 calendar days. Governor Parson appointed two statewide officials. He appointed Andrew Bailey to the Office of Attorney General. He appointed um, the, the the new state treasurer. Be interesting to see. I think that I think most politicos, obviously, were you know the, you're going to have a fascinating governor's primary, but a lot of politicos are curious. Will will the two appointees of the governor get reelected in August? It, it's a classic case. I think candidly, I think uh, the the AG primary got a lot more eyeballs than the treasurer primary. I think once the money gets spent, the governor's race and the AG's race, people may not even remember that there's other primaries down below that. But I think it. I think that's one of the things a lot of politicals are watching is do the governor's appointees get through their primaries or 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 not? And I think that'll be a fun fun thing to watch. I feel like uh, you know Bailey's certainly got that. He's got that Midwestern feel. He's got the um, he he he's been in the news a ton. I will say, bully pulpit of the AG position, maybe the best in the country. You get to uh, you, it, it's so it's such a great position to get in the news. You sue somebody, you get to whatever it is, you dominate that earned media. It's a it's a strong place to be at. And as, yeah, as I'm learning more and more about all these different positions, it's really interesting. Uh, what's a What's an update on the attorney general race? Because I, I think I know who all is involved, and it seems like there's a lot of candidates that I I almost wish there would be ranked choice voting and I could just vote one, 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 one for all of them, um, at least the, the two that are popping into my head right now. But what's the what's the race look like? Because that's coming up soon. You know, this is going to be a massive battle. You've got uh, uh, you've got um, Will Scharf, who uh, obviously former Eastern District U.S. attorney, and you've got... Uh, um, the uh the uh and then you've got Andrew Bailey. Both raise a ton of money, both get a ton of eyeballs. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating ra- race to watch. Um you know, listen, I in my mind this race is a real coin flip. I don't know who's gonna win it. Okay, coming up next, we are gonna have uh Rachel Elliott on the show. Stick around for all that. I saw the sun begin to dim and felt that winter wind blow cold. Man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold.